What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambolin here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo. Back for another edition of the Monday Review for PGA DFS. We just had the 3M Open in Minnesota. It was a great event. Uh, you know, nobody wanted it in the end. We'll talk about that in a second. First, let me bring in, though, it's going to be a little bit shorter version this week, just some technical difficulties and the preview I've got coming up with the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast with Kenny anyway. So we are going to get through everything we can here. But, uh, yeah, let's bring in TJ. TJ Lasig at TJL5124. What's happening, TJ? Tambo, how's it going? Good, man. Another, uh, another good week at DFS, and excited to talk about this tournament with you again today. Yeah, it was a good week, I'll call it. I, I'm a little less sugarcoat type of guy than everyone else. I, it, it wasn't, if I didn't have real money on that thing, I don't think that it would have been as exciting for me to be able to, you know, at least have a little bit of sweat down the stretch, but there wasn't much DFS-wise. You know, some of the bets had close calls. I was really banking on a few things near the end. Definitely didn't have Michael Thompson, uh, but good for him. I mean, as far as a, a fan goes of the game and watching it, seeing him take it down, obviously the emotional interview afterwards, all that stuff that you just love to see, like that's that's part of the grind. And I always relate PGA DFS to real PGA in the sense that, you know, it's the closest thing in my opinion where we're all grinding. We're playing in these qualifiers. We're all at different levels and there's the elites and there's the people that play all the time and there's the ones that just seem to win the the 3K every week, which spoiler alert, you know, someone had a, someone stole the show with a pretty good week, if you will. We'll, we'll get to that later on. Uh, a familiar name that we've talked about quite a few times in these last few weeks, but overall pretty good event. Uh, you know, we'll get to each tournament. One thing I will let you guys know, the Millie makers down this week. So instead of dissecting that it's, it's all good. I'm going to bring in a couple other ones. We had some big wins from our members. You know, I'm baffled by one of the lineups that one that I'm like, where did I, where, why didn't I have that lineup? If, if you go see it, we'll get to that one. Um, but yeah, just if, if you guys have never been on the show, obviously this week's live, we like to do the show live. One thing I want to show you right out of the gates is just where we're going to get this information. So it's not everybody's first rodeo here. I'm going to try and get some chat involved. You know, I've got it up here. If you guys do have questions as we go along or things that you want to see, you can definitely ask, but just to look on the front page, you're going just to rotogrinders.com PGA results db changing the date you're just going back to the previous thursday which is the 23rd it'll load it up you press contests and you can see here everything's in there right so you get your your buy-ins are listed here the name of the tournament what the top prize was what the max entries per that tournament were uh, how many people ended up entering it and then what it took just to cash it so the cash lineup in this case i've already got them fired up i don't think the millie is going to load on here i'm going to try one more time live no it's not going to so couple things, TJ. I've got the Millie up here on my phone. We did have a three-way chop this week. So again, I wouldn't be complaining about 391000 and change uh, on a chop, but it happens, right? Uh, 635.5 was the winning score. Dr. Brad, Hells on B, and Keddie's Crazies it, with two Ks. If you look at the lineup, it's Finau, English, Homa, which be a theme that we'll see, Norin, Howell, and Tringali. So... What do you think of the lineup first off? We obviously like to look at the winner. It's not always the be-all, end-all. I do still believe that we should be looking more, and we'll do this when we get to the drive the green, at what the, you know, let's say the ranked players or the better players that are putting in lineups that have a lot more experience are doing so we can actually break down how they're building their pool and then how they're using it with constraints, salary, ownership, all those different factors. But what do you think about the winning lineup there? Like I say, uh, it was a unique week in a sense. I'll get to that in a second, but I'll get your first thoughts on the winning lineup. Yeah, I guess one thing off the jump is that the Hells on B actually had Wierenski instead of Howell. They just both happened to score exactly 107.5. Oh, that's that right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, if you look back at this week, I mean, this is probably the most carnage that we've seen in a long time in terms of the expensive guys. So you pretty much had to start the lineup as either Finau English or Finau Wolf because I think I think every single other person over 9K missed the cut. So I think going in with the weaker field and the easier course, we knew that it was going to be one of those weeks where anyone could win it. And that's exactly what happened when you, when you look at that leaderboard that we had on Sunday. But overall, I would say pretty, pretty solid build. I mean, I think Finau English Homa starting there was a, a pretty solid construction and, and three really solid plays. And then just differentiating down, down the board, getting some of the lower owned guys in Norin, Howell, Tringali, all under 10% owned. So solid construction overall. Didn't have to dig too low. Nobody below 7K. But uh, yeah, def- definitely an interesting week. And six of six was hard to come by in this tournament. It, it really was. I mean, at one point I remember looking at it and I think zero out of six was more popular than five out of six. Like it was just insane. The amount of people that just had nobody get through. Uh, one thing you noted there, and I'll take away, I guess, you know, you can always look at a million maker lineup and just say, whatever, obviously it takes a lot of luck to get there, et cetera, et cetera. We're all grinding to do the same thing. But I think the bottom line for me was, you know, you got to look at it and it's easy to do this now. We call it results oriented, if you will. But when you look back at the rocket mortgage, let's go back there for a second with Bryson DeChambeau, and I took, you know, I've already taken the L on this many times saying that, you know, I went with the game theory fade, but in the end, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you've got a course with four power fives, couple drivable power fours, the, the dude is just destroying it off the tee, all these factors. So sure, it could work, but at the same time, maybe it's not as smart to do. So again, I, I'll learn from that and move forward. But going back and, and again, you could be results oriented, but many would have said that was a bad play on my part. And the reason that I'll take away from that is that you could have said, you know, it, there'd be merit to just locking in Bryson. And a lot of great players did. How I want to talk about that and relate it to this week without, you know, getting through every lineup that we're going to get to in a second here where you see a lot of similarities. So to try and take some game theory and thought process from it is that this week, what did we say? You know, I was on with you for a little bit of the Monday preview. I was on with Noto and Cards on the Tuesday preview. And, and you know, what we kept saying was all these question marks at the top, right? We had no clue. DJ coming off 80-80, Brooks saying his knee sore, you know, Fleetwood first time back out, uh, Fino the breakdown at the Memorial and can never close. <laughs> we'll get to that again. You know, it definitely didn't close again. But, uh, you know, the thing is, when there's all those question marks, you made a good point of how you pretty much had to have Finau, Wolf, or Finau English. Well, they're the only guys that really made the cut or, or did anything. You know, that, that you kind of, you were forced into those builds. So it's one thing to take away from me is on weeks like this where it's a super weak field and there is question marks at the top. Like I said, it's easy to say now because results oriented, but not so much. You could have said this at the start of the week very easily. Back to my Bryson point is that, listen, when sometimes it's like that, I'm not saying go down where the optimals show up at 41,000 to 45,000, but I certainly think there's some merit to maybe having some lineups that stop dead at 49,000, even if it's just 48 to 49, because a lot of these guys would have ended up getting into your lineups and you wouldn't have been forced into that build. And I think that's why we see the winners come from that is because pretty much everyone uses all the salary or at least a high majority of it. And in turn, what ended up happening was that you saw that pretty much Finau was necessary, even though, again, he did come T3 with everybody else that came T3, let's just say completely fell off on Sunday and fell down to, you know, eighth or 10th that he still could have been in those lineups just because he's the only one that would have made that salary stuff work. And most people aren't building lineups with 48,000 or 40. Like I think the optimals had 45 and even 41 was the second most optimal lineup that you see guys post out there. So uh, any thoughts on that before we move on to the next tournament? 
Yeah, I think in tournaments like that, where it's a weak field, where it's an easy course, that that's when that really becomes viable because just really anything can happen. I mean, one bad DJ just puts it in the water three times and then he's out of the tournament. Paul Casey misses the cut. Like all of the guys that should have been the best plays in this didn't even, didn't even really come close. And then, yeah, it just it gives you a unique build if you're willing to leave some of that salary on the table. And I think it's not something that leaving that much we would recommend right. every week. But these types of week in the future, I think it's something that's definitely worth considering. Yeah, it's a new year. It's a new thing where, you know, the restart is not a new year of golf, but uh, you essentially we're learning some new things, right? We're getting some different strength of fields in places we didn't expect. We're seeing things as they break down and just making it into a, a point of, okay, well, how do we build for this week? And, you know, this week we'll get a whole nother conversation, which unfortunately, like I said to, today, guys, I apologize. You know, TJ and I won't get to the preview, but I can promise you, and it's still free, is that there is going to be a preview. The Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, Kenny and myself, we're pretty much recording right after this. Full in-depth dive of the field, favorite plays, pivots, cash game cornerstones from Kenny, all these different factors, bets, one and done, you name it. So uh, check that out later on if you don't already. But what I would say, TJ, is, you know, we'll talk about some of these other tournaments here. The last point on it, and you made the final point there, and I'll just, you know, nail the, the put the nail in the coffin with it, is that we're not, I'm not saying to go super low with it, with the salary constraint that I was talking about, as far as what I'm thinking going forward. And I'm not saying to do it with all your lineups. I'm talking about maybe you dedicate 30 of your 150 or three of your 20 or whatever it is, depending on the style of the tournament. And we're going to talk about, you know, a 150 max here in a second, a 20 max, a single entry. It is what it is. Maybe not with the single entry and the big stuff, unless you're in something like the $100 Stinger or when the $44 uh, Club Twirl, whatever you want to call it, comes back. And then you can then you can do it with maybe a couple. But I'm just saying in general, it's something to look out for that I really don't think is that as results-oriented as, as it may seem after the fact, when you think about the fact that we knew and talked about many times how many question marks were at the top. So interesting takeaway from there. Let's talk about this $5 drive to green. Finished just outside. So I'll mention here, D. Johnston, 13, is a Roto-Grinders member. A great finish by him. Tied for first here. It was a heavy chop at the top, but he did have it. Uh, he ended up being T4. It was a similar style chop in the Millie Maker. But, man, those payout structures are just so bad, right? If, if you look at it, fourth in the Millie Maker for 7100 for him. And, again, it's more money on top, so he's happy to keep rolling along the train of making all this money. But if you think about it here, and, and on two entries, mind you, but if you look at uh, the overall, 17-6 in the $5. So you got to love that. I mean, that's nice to see. This lineup was a very common one. Uh, we'll go back to it. You know, your guy, Wierenski, that we just talked about that you noticed in the, in the Millie Maker is there. But Finau English is the, the change in theme. Harmon, Norin, Wierenski, Tringali. So most of the same guys. The interesting swap here, like you said, was with Harmon English that you've got falling in. I don't know. I think we were on a lot of these plays. You know, we liked Finau, you liked English, but overall the big deal is just here is having Norin and Tringali as the low owned. I'll, I'll say one thing before I kick it over to you, but this is sort of the, you know, my favorite type of build for something of this, of this 50,000 plus field structure. And not always that it works out this way, but you know, it's max two guys over 20%, max two guys in sort of the 10 to 20, 10 to 19.9% range and then a couple below 10%, it's not a, you know, a written rule by any means. We'll get to different builds later. We talk about different builds every week, but this is one that I like to see and that I, I really do try and get my line, lineup similar to when I'm building out. So is this something that you do specifically or you know, is something else you see here? But we talk about each week. There's always something a little different in the build structure, but typically it is this kind of ownership overall, don't you think? Yeah, 
definitely that makes a ton of sense. You've got the the two chalkier guys and then you know two two guys that are like you said right around 10% and then two of the guys that are a little bit more off the board. I think one one thing that that is really interesting with the Brian Harmon play is that he didn't really finish that well, right? Like I think he was in the 40th or something place, but T41st, he had yeah. so many birdies and eagles and like that, that was just an extreme example of a guy that outscoring his finishing place from a DK scoring perspective. I mean, I was looking at his card and it was like, he was basically either making a birdie or making a bogey. It wasn't a, a ton of pars to be had out there. So I think that's an interesting one where you've got a guy putting up 103 DK points, almost as much as people that are coming in the top five. And yet he's in the, the 40th place. So I think that that's just an interesting one. And he's a guy who has been struggling lately, but like we've talked about before, longer term form He's been priced around $8,000 in much, much stronger fields than this one. A lot of guys we saw that had $2,000 price increases from a previous week to this one. He was a guy who didn't see that price adjustment, but yet people didn't really want to go to him, and, and he's able to put up some points there. Yeah, and, I think that's the biggest takeaway is, is one thing is literally count DK scoring when you get to these, well, I guess we would have called it a quote-unquote birdie fest before it started. It didn't really, you know, 17 under wasn't anything insane by the end of it all. But, yeah. I mean, the, the pin placements certainly weren't memorial pin placements on Sunday, but the four holes that had water right beside them, they planted the flag right there. So, essentially, everyone was putting it, and you saw it on a, a hole like uh, even 18, which is a, a hole that you can eagle. And most people were putting it, you know, had to, ended up having to lay up just the way it was off the tee and then having a chance at that putt. So many guys down the stretch had a chance to get to that 17 under and just couldn't do it. And then, of course, Thompson does it. And just the exclamation point on everything that had happened. It was, like I said, great to see for him. His interview was incredible as far as you seeing that emotion. You know the grind that goes into it. Like I said, very relatable for anyone that plays DFS or has for a long time. You are looking for sort of that major. Or maybe you had your first big win a couple years ago, and now you're still looking for that next big win. You're wondering and you're always seeing other people around you win. It's just tough, right? Sometimes you want to get to that next level. So, uh, you know, I know personally for me, that's a feeling sometimes, but you just got to work through it, keep grinding, stay at it. And things like this review, trying to talk things through with other players. If you can get into these, you know, our discord is a great place. A lot of people in there talking a lot of strategy and thoughts, get on the forums, ask questions, all these factors that could talk about all the time, you know, ask the people the questions. And if you can get within your own friend groups or even form your own little groups of people, you can just talk this stuff through. You could find out a lot more, but yeah, back to Brian Harmon. Like you said, Wierenski himself, 107.5 and look at Harmon 103. I think there was a stat uh, Justin Ray posted through 11 holes. He was something like four under with no pars on his card. So that's where the, you know, the seesaw, the streaks, everything that comes into play there. You want someone who's making birdies. Those, you know, the little bit of the bogey lost points don't really hurt you as much. Obviously if he's making triple every second hole. That's not going to help your case, but the overall scoring, that is a big factor. So uh, I think Noto, I mean, looks like 10% of the field had Harmon. Noto to me was the only one who was really sort of mentioning him and on him. And I know someone was that we'll get to later. So um, that was interesting. But one thing I want to look at here while we've got a 150 max field, spend a little bit of time on, is Bird 77. Again, congrats to all the winners above Bird 77, but one, Bird 77 is the highest unique. So, you know, he was right there, only four and a half back of taking it down single-handedly. You'll also see Bird 77 in ninth. And so the reason I want to look at this, just again, Rotogars remember 60th, 154th. I just kind of want to see it. I didn't spend a lot of time on this before hopping on, but, you know, we want to try and mix this show up each week and see what we can find. And if there's anything we can notice for you guys who are looking to put in multiple entries 
And we showed this feature a couple times in the past, but if you do click over to ownership, enter the username, select them, you can see we knew, we knew from the other side that Bird77 had 150 entries. We saw that Bird77 had peppered the top a little bit with a couple in the top 10, the highest unique, all those things are good to see, but we kind of want to see what did they do with their pool to put them in this position and it looks like a pretty aggressive stance here. I'm just making sure I've got it. So guys, you can click on the right far right-hand side here, and it'll show you the ability to see what the ownership they had on certain golfers in the field. And man, here you go, TJ. What, what are we talking about, right? Talk about getting it right. So kudos to Bird77. I know it didn't fully pay off there. I'm not sure if, if they made money elsewhere with it, but Finau, 71%. Again, we're not going to get into it all today. I know Kenny and I will go back and forth on it, but a guy that's got 30 top 10s, without a win in the same period of time that, uh, you know, the other most top tens come from guys like DJ Rory and JT who are combined for 29 wins between them in that same time period. You got to start looking at it and just say, where's the clutch gene at, right? I love Tony Finau. I think he's the man, but you know, he's not getting the win. And again, it's absolutely extremely difficult to win on tour. We all know this as major PGA fans, but when you're getting 30 cracks at the can and you're not getting a single win out of it, uh, you got to look at it a little bit, right? And obviously he's in the midst of, you know, he had his coach on the bag and now he's bringing his brother on the bag, which will be interesting. Got some stuff to talk about that on the podcast later. But yeah, either way, back to Bird 77. Tony Finau, 71%. Harris English, 63%. So to your point, TJ, right off the top, you got to love that when that's the only two really besides Wolf that came through in the clutch and really had a chance down the stretch. So that was nice to see. What, what else stands out to you here when you're looking just down the list of names? Yeah, that's obviously the ideal start here for this week. And I really like what he did here with this player pool. I, I've talked about it a little bit in the past. I don't personally MME or at least haven't to date. But but if I did, I think that this is one way that I would go about it, where you just pick two, three, four guys that you want to go way overweight on and, and hope that those guys hit. Obviously, he, he made great choices in Finau and English here. And then, yeah, you can see kind of a mix of, of guys that are chalkier that he goes way overweight on and then, also, just picking some guys that were not projected to have a ton of ownership, but he, he felt strongly about and getting over the field on them. So, Tom Lewis there, I mean, that's a heck of a lot of leverage. Two and a half percent owned compared to, to 43% for the field. I don't know exactly where he finished, but I know that he was around there on Sunday. You can see he was right at about the field with Finau. So, don't, don't hate that given just the uncertainty with Finau. He could have easily come out and won this week or easily come out and miss the cut, which is obviously what happened. So I like the idea of mixing it up. Like it, you don't need to go over or underweight on every single player, but you definitely need to take your stands and you can see how he's doing that here. He's got some guys, some of the chalkier guys where he's even on the field, but then he's taking his stands and that's where he's going to differentiate himself across his portfolio of lineups. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, just to clarify, TJ, there, I wasn't sure if that's what you're saying exactly, but like Finau was owned 23.75% by the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was 71%. And, yeah. and he's got 71. So, I mean, if lineups. you look at what he did, you, you, you nailed the point at the start, what I love that you said. And this is definitely, you know, the why, why you can pepper the top range if you get it right, is he took a huge overweight stance on pretty much everybody in his top eight, right? Finau, 47% leverage, 36% leverage on. English, huge leverage on Fratelli. Like you said, went basically said Lewis is weak is happening because Lewis was 2.55% owned. Same with Haggie, 1% owned. And that's what put him in the position to get all these builds that float amongst these. And then look, even on Fleetwood, still had a healthy share, was underweight by 5%. 
But, you know, Fleetwood, I thought he should have been there, right? Same with Glover, a little bit underweight, and, and you still can get away with it. I guess that's the point is if you're going to take this approach, you want to do it in a way where you can get some massive leverage. And if your pool hits, that's what puts you up in the top, like Bird 77 did, just going down. I want to see here. Uh, we'll spend more time on this today because, again, what we found in the last couple of weeks, guys, doing the show is a lot of the other lineups end up showing, you know, the, sa- the same people are in the lineups. That's how they got there, especially this week when we talked about it. Um, Trying to see a couple others. Let me just see here. Different approach. So Neil Prow, 88. This guy's an awesome guy. I've got the pleasure of meeting him at a few live finals now. Just want to look at a different pool just for, for something to do here and, and go with it through TJ because different approach. I know he takes. I can't count them off the top of my head here, but you'll see I'm scrolling way down and look down here at 0.67. He's still taking a chunk of just all of these guys and again, there's no real, there, there's always many ways to quote unquote skin a cat, right? You can, you can get around it in different ways. Um, but, you know, he does quite well in these tournaments in all sports. He grinds everything. NASCAR, I've seen him win. I know he just won a baseball tournament a couple of days ago. If you look uh, for MLB coming back, but if you look at his structure, 30% cap, max amount. But what's interesting is, you know, there's only really, so English field, Casey field, Finau slightly under DJ. So it looks like the guys at the top is where he sort of says, look, I'm not getting too aggressive, but then look at all the leverage on all the other plays, right? Homa, Moore, List, Shank, Wise, all these leverage plays. And on a week where there's this much uncertainty, I don't hate it, but what's your thoughts on doing it different and doing it this way? No, like you said, there's so many different ways that you can go about it. I, I am totally fine with this as well. Gives you a lot more chances to win, I guess. It's it's really a lot of it is about your kind of personal risk appetite too, yes. right? Like with the previous user, obviously you're, you're going 76% Tony Finau. Well, if Tony Finau misses the cut, your week is pretty much dead. I mean, sure, you have 25% of lineups that could, could maybe get you live, but he does well, then you have more shots at it. So I think that, that this type of approach probably gives you a higher floor on a week-to-week basis just in terms of, it's not likely that you're going to fail to cash across the board. I'm, I'm sure it gives you a lot of different chances at it. So I, mm-hmm. I like that approach for someone that is trying to grind week in, week out, and, and not looking to have weeks where they're taking a massive loss. So that's what makes the, the MME game fun. I mean, there's there's many different ways that you can go about it, and you can't definitively say that one way is right and one way is wrong because all of these guys are winning at different points in time. Yeah, and I took a really similar approach to Anil this week. I, I rolled out, you know, 30% cap similar to him, or 28, I think I ended up with it. It was Tony Finau that I had at 28, and uh, Fleetwood was right there with him. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. We don't have a sortable by fantasy points here, but just going down, the, the main thought process here, in my opinion, again, why I did it, was there were so many variables on this week. You have zero idea. I mean, we, anybody who says, you know, obviously we're touting picks or picking guys and saying, you know, great cases – statistically narrative based, all these factors behind course history, you know, lovers, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, we don't really know, right? Anybody can come out and do anything. Hence all those guys at the top missing, you know, put it this way. This will solve it real quick. Brooks Kepka didn't even make it. And Chase Kepka was like a minus eight on Sunday for a top 25. So, you know, there you go. That, that'll explain everything for the week. If you look at it that way, but just scrolling through here, look, Harris English, 20, almost 25%, 92 and a half. Uh, Max Homa, 18%, 103 and a half. Luke List, 89. And, and you can just see it if we go through 17. All these high scoring guys, he had over 
13%, still 11%. And it doesn't mean they hit you in the winning lineup, but then you've got some of the ones that just aren't owned. Look at this. You know, Grillo and Long. Long came in second. He's got almost 6% leverage on the field. And I, I will say 6% is, you know, nothing crazy, but it is substantial when you get to the max level. It's the max it can be. It's on 150 entries. 6% leverage is good leverage. So, you know, this is why this approach can work. You talk about rat risk appetite, and we'll move on here in a second, but the risk appetite is exactly that. With Bird 77, it's the bottom line, is your week is likely in big trouble if Finau and English are on the opposite side of being two of the only three up there to make it versus they don't make it and the rest all do. You've, you've built for that to happen, but there's other two ways to look at it is that, you know, in Bird 77's way, is like you said, if you do hit, you pepper the top. You have all those chances. Bird 77 had the, the highest unique, another one right behind it in ninth, gets in an unfortunate run where there's a six-way chop for first or whatever, a five-way chop for first based on the fact that, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five, is, is that, you know, you would have won a lot more if there was only one of these above and not. So you can't change that. But then the other way to Anil's way and myself of looking at it is these tournaments are also very top-heavy, as we know. And, you know, while you do want to mitigate the risk some by spreading out your pool, it also was a week of unknowns. And, you know, it's, it's more of like a one bullet hit approach, right? You just want one of those to get to the top because that'll more than solve your problems as far as your overall slate goes. So we'll always try and take a different approach each week to look into these things, compare some players, maybe the highest at the top, someone else who I know or I respect in the industry and, and just want to see what they did for the week. But moving on, I want to make a couple of shout outs here. Uh, the $3.20 max, because we're going to wrap the show up sooner than later here. Uh, NYG fan 56 saw the shout out on Twitter, had a huge week. Actually had the, you know, the score that would have won a lot of tournaments this week at, at 643 and a half. His lineup was Finau, Harmon, Common Theme, Fratelli we saw up in a couple, and Tringali, but, and Howell even we saw up there, but Long was the standout. So another, you know, great build. Four guys under 10%, one not quite, but here we go. What I giving loved about the, it most. that money on the table, in. yeah, that's awesome. Look at that, 48,100. So shout out to NYG fan. 56 big week i saw this was 25k i believe alone right here so that was uh nice to see and it was on like 293 dollars so you talk about roi here this is roi heaven i just love it so again congrats to nyg fan 56 lineup looks great the the keys were some of the stuff we've already hit on was leaving the money on the table and whatnot you go over here you know a lot of members tree frog up top 600 points even this is the uh, 200 single entry so you really got to Take your stand. Tree Frog's lineup had Pat Perez and Sepp Straka as some unique plays in there. Again, just spreading the love. Three guys under 10%, one over 30. So I do like knowing that you're getting a little bit of extra chalk in there is going down and taking a little bit more, you know, and going three guys under 10%. But Hug a Tree, JTG3248, I know one of them is King Julius in the Discord, posted right away after winning it. And just congrats to them. But look at the lineup. And this is the one I was talking about previously how I didn't have this build. And I know what I had. Trust me. I I, I know exactly what I had because three of my plays of my conviction plays for the week were Rogers, Gooch, Davis, and my fourth was Fleetwood. And so I know what happened here. Exactly. You know, Noto and I loved Homa. A lot, a lot of people did. Homa was almost like a, I don't know how to put this the right way, but I was going to say a poor man's Webb Simpson, not in the real game of, you know, I think Homa's the man listening to his podcast today, talking about how he was doing the right things and some mindset stuff. If you want to go listen to it, it's Get a Grip with him and Shane Bacon. It's a great podcast. And he talks about, you know, some of the stuff down the stretch, almost right after his round kind of thing. They, I think they recorded last night. So it's really cool to go on. He's back on Twitter. He's doing some more, you know, swing 
analysis, we'll call it, for what it is. It's basically ripping guys up. It's a lot of fun to watch. But what I meant by poor man's web sims was more in the DFS perspective, where everyone was on Simpson at 9,800, ends up going down to 9,000. Everyone sticks with him, a la Will Fuller. I always talk about last year in NFL, people stayed on him for five weeks and then finally get the 57-point week. Same thing for Homa. You keep going back. We loved it. But back to my you know non-rant here of who I was on, that's basically the four plays. And then you know exactly what I did. I loved Henley and I love Fleetwood. And if you drop down money to Fleetwood and you go up to Henley, you leave just a little bit of money on the table. I believe you can actually even get to uh, Fleetwood and Glover. So you know where my week went when it came down to that. Those were in the $100 stinger. Some of the four out of six plays that I have to talk about that were, again, you hit all the values right and you just miss on the guys at the top. But again, shout out to these guys for putting it all together. Like you said, you needed those plays in there to make this work. So uh, any other thoughts on this, you know, for you, TJ, or guys that you were on here that you mentioned? Definitely a great lineup and one of those, like you said, that, that you look back on and say, man, I definitely could have built that lineup. I think if we think back to to our content, I mean, I know that Gooch and Davis were both in my value article. I know that Rogers, I believe, was one of Noto's core plays. I know that SDL and a couple other guys were all over English. So, and Finau and Homa, I feel like, are, are guys that – that we always like. So this is, you know, these are the kind of lineups that I look at and can, can really see myself coming up with a build like that. And I think it's a really solid lineup overall, leaving that $300 on the table also gives you that kind of guarantee, well, not guarantee, but really increases your chances of it being unique. So really good build here. And like you said, there's the, the kind of two, two, two from an ownership perspective where you have yep. two high owned guys, too middle, too low, but but this one also works as well. Where it's kind yeah, of, no, I, and I was going to just comment on that. Same, so I'm glad yeah. you brought it up. Same build, right? Two same guys thing, under yep. 10, 11 and 15.5 if you round up or round down, and then 20 and 33. So it makes sense. It also shows you a couple of ways that you can not worry too much. I know this is where I talk about all the time with the chalk where people are automatically, well, the, all those guys are going to be too chalky. So can't put them all together. You know, Davis, that's going to bust because he's chalk. I mean, the thing I always say is, I can promise you there will be weeks Cam Davis busts again. He was another play like Homa where we just kept going back. But the reason they bust or don't make the cut is not because they were, you know, 10% owned as value on DraftKings.com. They just have a bad week. It just doesn't work out. It's nothing to do with the overall ownership. You do have to be cognizant of how you're building overall. But I think if you look at it, you could even say, look at Finau here. Whoops. If you look at Finau here, I think Brooks Kepka was 11.2. I want to say, or I can't, I can't remember who was 11, but someone was 11.2 that you could have went with them. But again, with all the question marks at the top, you simply just drop down, leave the 300 bucks, play the guys you want to play, and it works out to the tune of 15,000. And, and they chopped it, which is still great to see amongst members. And then another member right at the top taking down the 100K. So uh, again, great overall builds for them. And we're getting to the end of the show here, but did want to do a quick segment. You know, we're going to skip the 555 for this week because you got to go to this. I got to do it one more time, man. This guy is unreal. Like I said, you know, stole the week. If you want to go with the theme of the name or had a pretty good week for petty theft because, you know, play on words there. But petty theft is first, first, third, and first. In the last four weeks in this 3K that has had no little, no less, sorry, I should say, than 100 people of some of the best players in the industry with up to anywhere from three max for a couple of the weeks that it was 100 only. Now it's lately been around 130 to 167 to five max, but I really don't care if you have five max because A, you got to have the stones to put that money on the line. And then B, the fact that he's winning it three out of the last four weeks and in the week, one week he doesn't win it. He comes in third. 
props to him. You know, Hoop is there. Everybody knows Hoop. Another great week for him. He's had some big ones. A lot of members in the top. Big names. Wilson, Brandon Adams, Scarface521. I seen him crushing the MMA streets a couple weeks ago and won on both FanDuel and DraftKings, the $500 version of their tournaments for 100 k a piece. Bentley, AAA Bentley, he's always up there as well. But let's go to Petty Theft and round up the show. Uh, what what else do we have to say here about Petty Theft blowing out the field by 54 points? I don't know how he does it. It's 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 pretty crazy. Literally, like you said, every, every single week we're reviewing this tournament and and his name's right up there at the top. It's just, it's very impressive. And it's not like he's doing it with obvious plays. I mean, he's he's got, sure, yeah, Finau and Wolf, but... I mean, aside from that, it's it's guys that are all under 10% owned. You've got Jason Duffner in there. You've got Grio. It's it's impressive. It's hard to to know like exactly what he has going on process-wise that, that's leading him to these plays, but he's certainly doing something right and is really showing a knack to find these cheaper, lower-owned plays that are just turning out big performances for him, so... Yeah, like you said, it's tough to say what his actual process is. I'm, I'm sure he's not going to give it away anytime soon. I'm sure especially, he's not. <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I know we're not doing a preview show for next week, but I know two weeks from now we've got a $7,475 mega milli coming with, you know, it's a tough payout structure. I get it, a million then drops, I think, to 200 But not too many cases do you have a chance to play for, you know, a million dollars out of 300 people, give or take, with 301, I think, is the field with the upside of the TOC entry to be able to go to the Super Bowl, play for another milli with a lot of the elites that are playing in all these big tournaments and, and the winners, mind you, of all those big tournaments. I mean, Tournament of Champions would be amazing to be the part of the first one or something like that uh, of that caliber. The only thing I can think of that was bigger is the NFL when they did the, you know, the live final event that was like five million the first. And, and so you, you don't see a lot of stuff like this where it's a lot of, you know, a lot of hype, a lot of fun around it. I'd be excited to get there. So I'm certainly going to put one entry in. I'm going to try and satellite in this week. I haven't seen the satellites come out yet as of about an hour ago. I'm sure they're out by now as, as we're recording live. But yeah, as far as the plays go, you know, back to this lineup, and then we'll get out of here, is that Harmon, Grillo, Gooch, Duffner. I don't know about, you know, I don't know how you put all four of those in the same lineup without being nervous. I don't know if it's because he's already padded his bankroll with the 500 grand, you know, pre aforementioned by us of the last three weeks. So he feels a little bit more comfortable about it, but I mean, go back here. Let's have a quick look and then we'll, we'll move on. But if you look at his lineups, didn't go all in this week, right? So he had Wolf and Grillo were two of his core plays at three out of four lineups. Casey who missed the cut Schwab, who was a great play, by the way, that, that ended up working out quite well. So two out of four there. And, and we don't talk a lot about betting on the show, but I, if you're betting this week, I've got him for the Barracuda. There's a pretty good number out there on him at some of the books. So if you want to get him now, I'll be recommending that later on the podcast. And then look, it, it gets a little bit aggressive after this. Scott Piercy, you know, Harmon, Weisberger, Gooch, who we loved. I mean, that's that's a fine one there. But then, you know, lower on Fino and Fleetwood. It was the only Fino lineup, which coincides with having some of these guys up here in it. Uh, and then he even had a DJ lineup. Kyle Stanley, like the pool is wild in the sense of, what most people would think, but you also have to realize he's probably assuming the group think in this tournament is quite high. And the amount of people that are using the same guys, the only way to get there is to go outside the box. And none of these players that we just talked about are bad players. A lot of people that have even played, you know, the DFS golf game for let's say the last year would know who all these players are. 
right? It's, you know, Scott Piercy, still a great player. Bern Wiesberger, one of the top OWGR. Him and Schwab were those OWGR plays where they rank a lot higher than DraftKings wanted to price them. And then you got guys like Doc Redman, who we've been all over lately, Duffner, Stanley, people that have been following the game for quite some time will definitely know who they are. So not a lot more to say on that. Anything else to add for the week, TJ? I'll just add, I think there is, you know, there is a certain element of when you're on a heater, like you're going to be more willing to to take these plays that may seem off the board or, or may seem, you know, strange to the public eye. But when you are playing well and winning tournaments, you're, you're not afraid to take those stands. And if you like a guy, you put them in your lineup and it's obviously working for him. So I think that there really is something there, like building lineups with confidence and, and being able to, to see those results. So another great week from Petty Theft, and uh, congrats to him. He's crushing it. Let's see, let's see somebody else take it down next week, and we'll try yeah. and move on from that topic. But if he does, kudos to him. It's been amazing to see. I yeah. would say, you know, the final point just on the overall theory of everything is hopefully, you know, we can help you guys get on some heaters by some of these takeaways, some of these constructions, some of these ways to build lineups or thought process around, you know, like this week. We'll, we, we're not getting a preview, like I said, but if you look at we're back to that sort of pricing where we had – all those guys in the 9K and everyone loads up on three 9K guys. And then when you and I did the review a couple weeks ago, sure enough, the winning lineups had two 9K guys at most mixing more of the 8K guys. In. And I feel like this week is just a tidbit for the preview for later is that I feel like people are going to go back to that again. So there's certainly ways to go back. Some of this content can be a little bit evergreen in the sense of if you have a premium membership, you go back and look at the videos that TJ and I have been doing. We've been talking about these things weekly, and hopefully some of those factors will help you get on a heater, and then you can build lineups with confidence like Petty and move on from there. But, you know, for everyone here, Petty, I mean, for, for TJ, at TJL5124 on Twitter, guys, go follow him. For myself on Twitter, at Toteg and Tambo. For Devin, behind on the production side, we appreciate it. Thank you, guys, and good luck.